On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Britt Gilmore, president of The Giving Keys, an impact brand that assists with transitioning people out of homelessness. Tune in as we discuss the very phrase, give back brand, the evolution of their products, and how they measure impact. Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class, where we focus on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. I'm Micah Haycoop, the director of operations here, and I'm here with my good friend Britt Gilmore, who is the president of The Giving Keys. Thank you for being here. Hello. Yeah, so stoked to have you on the podcast because we've been trying to make it happen. And so this is the first time every podcast you listen to, the host always says this, like we've been trying to make this happen for a long time. This <laughs> yes. is the first time <laughs> I can honestly say that time. we've been trying to make it happen for a long time <laughs> yes. and we've made it happen so you've thank been you for so being here patient no hardly you've been generous with the time so thank you yeah um okay we always start with the with the fun questions just mm-hmm. because like as opposed to diving right into it we can get to know you so we're going to start with what's the dream vacation destination i went to costa rica with my husband on our honeymoon and went to arnal and it was magical. What's that? I've never heard of it. There's a volcano there. Okay. And the place we stayed, it takes 10 minutes to get to the actual hotel from the main road. So it was up in this remote mountain area. So cool. It's, and it's just like, you're just like off the grid. Off just the hanging grid. Out. And in Costa Rica, they don't let you hunt anything and you can't take anything out of the jungle. Yeah. So there's just this respect for the circle of life that was really... I didn't think I would care about that or be impacted by that, but being there and seeing it culturally played out, I was really impacted by it, thinking awesome. this is like how it should always be. How long ago is that that you were there? 2015 in September. So it's time to get back. Yeah. Do something like that again. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Next one. What's the comfort food for you? Ice cream oh, sandwiches. I was just about to say, <laughs> I was just about to say mine's ice cream. Like anything sweet and dairy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm a huge fan of the, the Tillamook. Ice cream. Growing up, I was a Moose Tracks kid, though. Moose Tracks. If you tracks. ever had Moose Tracks, I'm a big Moose Tracks Always. kid. Always. Yeah. Moose Tracks is a fave, for okay. sure. And so, speaking of childhood, last question is, childhood celebrity crush? Justin Timberlake. Duh. What? In sync Justin Timberlake. Yes. Right? Like okay. the curly fro days. He There's was no... posted all over my bedroom. Oh, man. Did you have yeah. the no strings attached, like... The doll, <laughs> yes. the, the marionette that all they did of him. All the posters all over my room. That's amazing, dude. And still killing it now, though. I feel yeah. like he, he could be a grown-up crush, too. I actually I mean, got to do a styling job with him, um, like one of the first things I ever did in L.A. It did, was really cool. And you styled and you styled him? I was the assistant on the job, so I didn't style him, but I got to work with him. And it was a really fun experience. He's a yeah. great guy. So this transitions as well, actually, into kind of the start of our, our conversation um, in your path to Giving Keys. You came out to L.A. and started in styling. I did not know this. Yes. How I did a lot of different things in the fashion industry, and like so, tasted it, a little bit of everything. Yeah. And you yeah. bounced around a bit. How long is it that you've been in L.A.? Because you're originally from Detroit. Detroit. Suburbs. But I did move into the city for two years before I left, which was a really fun time in my life. But then I moved to L.A. um, to go to FITM, got a scholarship, so I came out for that Mm -hmm. and did a year-long program. I actually thought I would go back to Detroit, 
but ended up staying in LA because I just got these really fun gigs. Yeah. But my intention was to always end up in a space where fashion and philanthropy were merging. Mm -hmm. But my road towards that was just to take every potential fashion job I could. So, which, which is probably the wisest thing in the fashion industry is like bird in the hand. Yeah. <laughs> bird just in the learn hand a little industry. bit about everything. Yeah. So tell, can you give, if people don't know, can you give like the quick elevator pitch of what giving keys does? Yes. Yes. Giving keys exist to employ people that are transitioning out of homelessness. And we make products out of keys that have hand stamped words on them, like love, strength, hope, courage. And the intent is that you wear a word that you need until you meet someone else that needs that message more than you. And you actually pass it on. You pay it forward to that person as a way to spread inspiration to them. Yeah. And this has been around for how many years has it been going now? Caitlin, our founder, started making keys in 2008. Mm -hmm. So almost 10 almost. years. Yeah. Which is wild. That's crazy because I feel I've, yeah, and I feel like I've known about it now for five or so years. And you guys yeah. really, how, how long ago did you become the president of Giving Keys? In October of 2014. Okay, so it's been, you've been steering the ship for a while. Yeah. How much has it grown in that time? Uh, since 2012, it's the easier measure for me to remember, but we had three employees and we're in about like 40 to 60 stores. Yeah. And now we're in 1,400 plus stores and have 55 people on the team. That's wild. Yeah. That's a lot to keep track of, 1,400 stores. <laughs> yes. My gosh. So can you talk a little bit about your role as president? I know like that's kind of... It's a little bit of everything, but if you were to yeah. talk about like really what you're focused on, interested in right now with the company, what is that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, day to day, what my role looks like is really ensuring that Caitlin's vision is getting executed on mm -hmm. and managing the leadership team to make sure that happens. So mm -hmm. I oversee marketing, sales, operations, finance, product. Mm -hmm. Um and then we also have, unique to our model, we have an impact department that also is technically like our HR department, but those two things in our context, because we're employing people as our mission, HR and impact are so intertwined. I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, because you're providing jobs and then is there some, I'm guessing there's like training or services for those people outside of that as to like the investment of the money or like what's the next step? Because is your, is your goal ultimately for them to move on from giving keys into different different jobs Longer and careers? careers. Yeah. yeah. So we the dream for us is that people would come to a really supportive environment um, and experience a work context. And maybe they haven't been in the workforce for like potentially decades. It kind of depends case by case. But we create a supportive work environment that ideally is getting people prepared for either their next step or for them to move up and get promoted within our organization, which has actually happened. We promoted one of our production associates to a production coordinator, which is a salaried position. She's overseeing a team at one point that was 10, the size of 10 people, um, which when you understand the background story behind that, that this person was living on the streets, was dealing with an addiction, like a pretty severe addiction, uh, was not in contact with her children, and then moving into a place of having like a really nice salary, being totally clean and sober, reconnected with her kids, getting her own apartment. Like it's a big stuff. It's a really and and it yeah. happened in less than three years. Wow. So that that transition's really 
really quick yeah. when you think about but everything that goes into it. How long it takes to get to that place and how long, if ever, you normally get out of that, yeah. get out of that place. Well, and you must have a ton of impact stories like that too, or yeah. a lot, like a lot of them that you could talk about. And they're they're all super unique. But I think the other thing that we're looking to do is, in a sense, kind of graduate people out. Mm-hmm. So not everyone wants to be in logistics or yes. manufacturing or the kind of jobs that we provide. So mm-hmm. we want to create pathways for people to move out into other careers. Um, so one of the really fun things that we've done is partnered with Pepperdine. They have a microenterprise program that's specifically focused on people transitioning out of homelessness to help them start their own businesses. So one of our women wanted to start a commercial cleaning company, and she actually got her business funded through that program. And then we've been able to provide work for her through our networks, um, oh. which actually one of the people that just recently hired her was Tom's. There we go. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's what like we the love dream. to see. That's the dream because I think there's – and. I'm going to make this transition to kind of like the five things, questions that we have. You can go in as a brand with a mission and your mission is to help, but really you're like cutting a check at the end of the day. And I think, and I don't know if you look to them, I always really respected what Crochet Kids did as a give back brand or a brand that was nonprofit, but but in fashion, right, as much as they were. Um, And it was all about these people like these women that they were helping, right? There was, there was no check going to another organization. It was just like, and they were so directly involved in their lives and being like, how do we set you up to invest and start all your own business after that's like the real magic of like, of helping, you know, versus it going to kind of this ethereal, like pot of money out for the Red Cross (laughs) or whatever. So that must, that must, that must be rewarding in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. So what we we just did the impact issue for the shapeshift report. And I want to talk a bit about the phrase give back brand. And I still talk to a lot of people who are like, well, we're going to have a give back. And they look at that and they're like, this is our, like, this is the cornerstone of our marketing, baby. Like we're going to succeed off this. Do you, what do you think of that phrase? Like it, cause you've been in it for so long. Is it like kind of reductive to you now? If people call you a give back brand, I think it's a really digestible way for people to understand what you do because it's becoming so like it's a part of our common language. But to like zoom out a little bit, I think that when you overhear a label, it starts to lose its meaning. And as there's more companies doing things like this, I think it also dilutes the meaning. And how are we really defining a give back brand? Truly, yeah. So... There's really, to my knowledge, not like one agency or group of people that are really defining what, like, so to speak, the requirements are for you to be a legitimate give back brand. Yeah. Outside of like B Corp, which is like a little, it's it's different. It's not about what you do as much as it's about like how you treat your people too, right? And your environmental impact. It goes like triple bottom line kind of, yeah. Sure. So there's, there are like metrics and ways to define it. But I think that a lot of people will call themselves that. And for us, I really think that the, the hope is that it always comes from an authentic place. And that's what I love about giving keys and Caitlin and why I got on board is because she genuinely cares about the population of people that we are employing. There's not in her mind, it wasn't ever a, a marketing scheme. This is the story. No, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. It was, I'm making these, she was making the product before the give back 
I mean, if we even call it that, I don't ever, I'd never use that word actually, Yeah. but she was making keys before the mission ever came to be. Yeah. So she was selling these products, was encouraging people to wear them and pay them forward. And then ended up in a totally random happenstance moment, meeting a young homeless couple on Hollywood Boulevard and invited them to go to dinner because she just loves doing stuff like that and hearing people's stories. And through that dinner, found out that the girl and the couple was making jewelry and liked making jewelry. And it was kind of this aha moment. But that wasn't, you don't like manipulate that circumstance. Yeah. And that she never started making the jewelry thinking, and I'm going to employ homeless people and this is going to be our marketing. Mm -hmm. Like there was, it was much more authentic than that. And I think that's the thing that starts to feel weird or rub me the wrong way a little bit is when the concept is born out of uh, just a less authentic place or I'm going to add this component in because I know people will want to buy it more. Yeah. It's almost like when it's, when it comes out of utility versus necessity, cause yeah. you're like, Oh, this is a piece of the, this is like a piece of the puzzle to why people would care about our brand yeah. as opposed to like, Oh, and so that, that was actually my second question was about how, how your mission came to be, mm-hmm. um, which it's not, it sounds like that's a bit answered because, but why was Caitlin making the necklaces in the first place? It was more just around like she enjoyed the affirmation, the story of passing it forward. So the, to go all the way back to where the the idea even came from. So Caitlin started an organization with the actress Brie Larson called Mm -hmm. Love Your Flaws. And the whole intent behind it was to support women and just people in general, not specific to women necessarily. Women tend to deal with body image in a more like intense way, but they started this thing called Love Your Flaws. It was all about embracing your imperfections and how that is a part of who you are and a part of your story and it makes you beautiful and unique. And she wrote a record called Flaws. So originally started her career as a musician and an actress. Was touring the record Flaws, was in New York City, staying at a hotel where the key to her room was an actual key, not like a swipey credit card situation. And she put it on her necklace and was like, this is actually so cool. Like wearing keys is, as, as an accessory. Yeah. And so that's really where that came from. It's just like out of a genuine, like, I like this. I think this looks cool. Then fast forward, she was at a locksmith, saw the person in front of her getting numbers stamped into their key to identify it from their other keys. And she asked the locksmith if they could do letters. So she wanted to get Love Your Flaws stamped into a key it turned into her buying a whole bunch of the extra random keys that were kind of in his back stock or whatever and putting all different kinds of words on them. So she started taking them out on her tours and put on her merch table and they were selling out more than her records because people just really loved this idea of getting a word that they needed. She kind of put it in the context of the record saying, remember how unique and one of a kind you are, like embrace your imperfections, go find a key that has a word on it that you need all these keys are one of a kind and unique. Find the one that speaks to you and wear that as a reminder to embrace the word that you need. So that's like where the whole product concept came from. Yeah. It was like truly organic. Yeah, it really was. It really was. She was not intending to start a business because like plan A was music and acting and Mm -hmm. then giving keys just kind of blossomed and turned into this thing that was really moment. It had a lot of momentum. Yeah. So how do you think about product now? Like when you, there's a moment, I think for everyone where you're like, okay, this is the thing that we built success off of. 
yeah. as a get as a brand that has a mission. It's mission based, right? It's Tom's, it's Alpargatas, Crochet Kids, it's Beanies. You guys, it was this key. How did you make that turn? And then, like, how did you relate it back into the story? Or did you feel like you had to relate it back into the story? Or was it more of a brand move at that point? To do new products. To do new products. Yeah. Yeah. So everything that we do from a product standpoint has to go through the pay it forward lens. So we actually have this really cool journal that's coming out. And on the front of the journals, it has the same words on the keys. So it'll say dream or inspire, create. And instead of it just being a standard journal, we actually perforated all the pages inside. And there's a little activation when you open the journal up that says, use these pages to either dream, create, or inspire and get all of your ideas out in kind of each one of those categories of thinking and being. Um, But don't keep these pages just for yourself. There's other people that need to dream or create or inspire. So write notes and tear them out. We've perforated these pages so that you can give these pages away and pass on inspiration. So yeah, there's everything has to go through that pay it forward lens for us. Um, and how does this product create the opportunity for you to connect with somebody else in a meaningful way? And that's so different, I think, than having, because that's not the give, if you think about it, or the mission, because the mission was, again, now, if you like really reduce it, you're saying like you're helping people transitioning out of homelessness. Yeah. But the ethos of the brand is more about paying it forward in which is like, is happening in that, in that give back but is happening inside the product, which I think is where like the synergy really comes in for it, for it being genuine as a, as a brand. Um, and so you guys have also, you, you've then expanded inside of accessories. I feel like the look of them more, more or less, because then you can also do like different colors or different like chains and different words, but, um, tiny keys and things that are more focused on like what's out in the market right now and what are people interested in wearing on a day-to-day basis. So we have these little mini keys now and we're looking at expanding the jewelry line too. I have to ask like the, what's the most purchased word? Custom. Custom. Yes. More than anything else. What's the strength? Can you tell me the strangest custom word? <laughs> I don't know if I can say it on this <laughs> okay. podcast. Yeah. All right, We've so- had some really, really crass, requests where I'm like, do you understand what we do? Like yeah. you can't put that on a key. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do it or you turn it down? We turn them down if they're not positive. Okay. What's the yeah. weirdest positive one you have? Has anyone ever put like waffle on a key? Uh, hair flip. Hair flip. Don't understand, but someone but did you, it. No, you do, you understand. Like it's like the <laughs> mood of the hair flip. Was it hashtag hair flip or was it just hair, just flip? hair flip? Do you get a lot of hashtags? We get some hashtags. This is like my nerdy, like curious yes. about like what the words would be. I get hair flip as a positive affirmation. One time we got a request to put this really random word that we had to Google to figure out what it meant. Yeah. It was Marethu, which is it- apparently is the name of a character in Dungeons and Dragons that represents the spirit of death, which I was in charge of customer service at that point in time. And I was like writing back to the customer. I'm like, this is so interesting. I'd love for you to explain the intent behind this. And they wrote back saying that it was actually a friend of theirs, that it was their friend's name or the name that that friend had taken on and they had just passed away and they wanted to remember them. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm I'm actually surprised that custom is the biggest two. I figured it would be like faith or kindness or, or strength or is the number one. Strength and believe out yeah. of the 13 words that we sell all the time, but the custom biggest. is the biggest one on our website. Okay, yeah. So if we talk about those two things, then the idea of the pay it forward and the idea of the mission and transitioning out of homelessness. How are you guys measuring your impact at this point? So a lot of it is around how many jobs we've created. That's the one metric that we report on the most frequently. But then we're also evaluating things like how many people are transitioning into other workplaces, how many people are becoming housed while they're with us, how many people are uh, getting promoted. So if I'm being really honest, I think we have a ways to go on figuring out exactly what additional metrics aside from number of jobs created that we want to be reporting on. A lot of it is really internal and like soft-sided is the way that I want to explain it. When somebody gets, it's like hard for us to report on how many housewarming parties we've thrown. Mm. Um, like day, like days clean since they started working or whatever. I get what you mean. Like it's not this stat of like. Mostly because it's so, the, the variables mm -hmm. for each person are so different because yeah. like addiction could or could not be a part of what they're trying to overcome. Of course. Uh, some people, when they come to us, are literally sleeping on a park bench, but some have made it into some form of transitional housing. So how it, it, it becomes very nuanced at that point. And so when we're reporting on it, it could be challenging for a consumer to take the time to like read through all that. So we're, yeah. we're trying to find the thing that is impactful and concise for the market. And then we have other ways of reporting on the other things like housewarming parties, regaining custody of their children, moving out of addiction, all of those things that would be more like in an annual report form versus yeah. something that we're marketing on our packaging or For something sure. like that. And, it, and the problem with putting it as a stat too is it just kind of evens everything to be like a level playing field or a number. It doesn't really... So much story behind it. Yeah, it doesn't really show the story or like you, like you were mentioning just like what you have to overcome, like all that they overcame. And and again, I don't think it's, it's not because of you guys, but with support or with like right. some type of foundation um, from you guys to be able to do that. So how do you guys feel like you were able to build a community that supported the cause? What did it really help to have like the music tour and grow out of Caitlin's audience? Or do you feel like there's like, you're like, oh, like, churches or community groups really latched mm -hmm. onto it and we grew from there out into more like much more because you guys are in Nordstrom obviously you guys have a great online like online presence so it's not it's not niche by any stretch of the imagination now but at some point I'm guessing it started there yeah yeah so Caitlin the tour and her fan base was definitely a great starting ground and because we're employing people specifically in LA at this point. We do have goals of looking at other cities. There's definitely this sense that we are an LA brand because of the mission being centered here. But I, I really think that people want to support things in their own community too. So getting people in LA on board for this idea of if you're purchasing necklaces from us or products from us, you're actually supporting people in your own community getting from street to housed and into a life that's more stable. Um, so I would say like LA at large has been really supportive. 
But to dig into like the specifics, I would definitely say Caitlin's fans and the tour, that was really, really critical for the beginning days of, of what the Giving Keys was doing. Um, and then we have had like a lot of support from different faith communities mm -hmm. as well. But it's all starting to expand now because there's just a lot more There's an openness exposure. to it outside of that. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's, it's funny because it's not – those are like some of the first groups you think of a lot of the time. Um, but everyone has that care and like altruism in them. I feel like it's a bit easier though to look for, like look at this group and be like, oh, we really like – I don't even know how to describe it. Like you just know that they're going to latch on and not just like purchase, but be like real, like foot soldiers for the brand yes. and like really pump, like pump you up to their friends and, and people that they know. Yeah. So I feel like going after that community, it's hard to try to appeal to everyone off, off the bat. Yeah. So this has like been a bigger theme of what we've talked to uh, a couple other brands about. And, and, you know, I mentioned to you beforehand, but the idea of evolving the story to keep people interested, do you, do you guys struggle with that? Do you feel like, have there been like turning points like 2014? You're like, guys, like we just, we have to change. Like we have to do more product. We have to change what we're talking about. Like, can you talk about some of those inflection points if they exist or yeah. maybe there's one right now? I'm, I don't know. One of the things we did last year was actually change our logo from saying the giving keys, Los Angeles to the Giving Keys, a pay it forward company, because we really wanted to put a stake in the ground around this idea that we are a pay it forward company. And we see this activation of not only buying the product, but then participating in giving it away to somebody as the number one differentiator for us. Um, and to make it a part of our logo was us kind of making a statement that this is what we really care about. And we also see the job creation being its own version of pay it forward. It's like we're using our business to create these opportunities and pay it forward to our community. Um, so I think getting more like rooted into that concept was a statement internally and externally that everything we did would go through that lens. Yeah. Um, whereas before that was always like a core part of the brand, but I think that was a way for us to, again, like put a stake in the ground around that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this, it, to me, it's so smart though, because, and I'll bring in the other article I was talking to you a bit about that we wrote, we did an interview with Movember, who's based right here, who we all know, and I think they're a great, they're a great nonprofit to look up to. They talk about the idea that the shift happened when they added that well, who, so they started, it was like a lot of men's cancer, men's health and shifted to our goal. And our mission is to stop men from dying too young. Right. And, and it's that idea you're talking about where you're saying, here's our filter, right? Like, and you, and you've already talked about how that filter applied to product, which is that's any brand needs to do that. Right. You're saying like, what's our product? Like you're not you know, maybe there's some who are able to get away with it a little bit and you can go like outside of whatever your core, like, um, you know, you made like shirts and now you're like, we're going to make pogo sticks. I don't know. No <laughs> one would do that, but you get what I mean, right? Like, so they have the, their mission, the things they support go into, we're going to stop men from dying too young. We talk about the idea that right now that's a mental health and cancer, but they could say, well, maybe diabetes is next. Cause that's big, right? That's big yeah. for us too. And for you guys, you say, well, a journal's not something you wear as an accessory, but has this amazing pass it on component. Yeah. And maybe like 
I don't know, you guys are like, we're going to do our own Blue Apron version because it's about like getting people to come to your house and eat with you or whatever. And you're passing on the food or, or whatever. So I think it's so smart because every brand should do that. It's not just a, it's not just a mission-based, cost-based give back. I'm doing quotation marks brand. <laughs> You know, um, it has to go beyond the key for us if we really want to continue to create as many jobs as possible, which that is what drives us is how do we expand this concept so that we can be creating as many jobs as possible and creating as many jobs as we can might even look like partnering with other businesses to help translate our model, Mm. um, and encouraging other businesses to take on this employment model and use the best practices that we've developed over the years of doing this to create positions within their own organization. So there's a lot of different ways that we could take it. You'll work it. Yeah. Yeah. What, so I have to ask though, you guys are having these conversations at any point. Does someone pull for taking the word keys out of the name of the brand? I know. I know that is a really interesting one. I would say no, I would say you don't because so luckily and cheesily giving keys doesn't have to relate like keys is hot. Not what it's a homonym, right? Where the word has different meanings, right? It can be like the key to doing something, yeah. Versus, right? Like, and that's like the cheesiest idea. If it was actually like these are the keys to giving, that's what the brand was about. But we need to get like that, DJ Colin involved. Yeah, yeah, that's so that would be my argument. Is I feel like it, it works enough both ways to where you're not like you know, yeah, you're not locked into it. What was the debate internally? So the debate internally. And what side were you on? You have I, to admit to it. Well. I tend to be a pretty objective party where I'm, I'm like, okay, let's really just think about what would be the best for the brand. But we've, we've talked about if it expands into other things and the keys don't feel like they apply across the board, that it turns into the giving company and it really goes broad. But we definitely have not committed to like any decision around that. Yeah. 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 So what is the neck? What do you, what are you wrestling with right now as a brand? Like what's the net? Like it's got to grow. It's got like, I, I know there's always so many, as soon as you solve one problem, I'm sure there's something else you're thinking about for you personally. What's kind of the interesting thing you're turning over in your head and, and figuring out right now that you can talk about. Obviously. Yeah. We, I mean, right now today, <laughs> the thing would be, how do we use the wholesale business the best way possible? Uh, how do we engage that part of our distribution strategy the best way possible when there's so much changing in the retail landscape? So we're looking at doing shop and shops and pop-ups and doing things that are a bit more brand um, brand centric, where we're getting to tell our own story and be the ones on the ground interacting with the customers, but in an environment that we get really great foot traffic from uh, department stores or other stores that there's crossover maybe between our customers, but we get exposure to new customers too. And so I think that's like one of the the mysteries we're solving is finding the right partners for that. Yeah. Um, And you feel like wholesale has been great for you guys over the past years as far as a vehicle for the story though right like it i'm let's say i'm a new brand i come to you i'm like brit should i get into wholesale i don't know the margin it's crazy like what what do you tell them at this point i would just say find the right partners yeah and and try to keep it tight too um to figure out which partners are going to be the best ones for you what's what's being a good partner mean to you 
that for, you get from a wholesale standpoint. I would, yeah, I would say for us, it's been that we get to interact with the sales staff and do our own trainings on how to tell the story because mm -hmm. that is such a huge part of why people are interested in the product is that they understand the mission behind it. They understand the intent of why you wear it and how you give it away. So finding people that are willing to commit to allowing us to do some of that training with their sales teams. Um, and then also people that are committed to doing a really great presentation on mm -hmm. the floor Yeah, that visually it looks really substantive, uh, so those are, those are things that have mattered to us and have really influenced sales. But I would also say in terms of problems that we're trying to solve, we're at this stage where we're now introducing new product categories. And with our mission and our intent being to create as many jobs as possible, we're trying to determine at what point do we decide that a category is successful and we want to adopt it into our supply chain. That is a big question. Big question. And so if we're moving into apparel, which we've done before, how do we bring all of that equipment in-house and create those jobs? Or how do we work with vendors that are willing to employ people that are transitioning out of homelessness and we're ensuring that the mission is being, uh, yeah. I don't know why I didn't think about that, but that is because anything you make, you want to be able to support that mission. Yeah. And it's tough to be like, we're stringing guitars. Like you, like you can't <laughs> right. like string guitars over in China. We're like, you're not like molding wood here yeah. in LA. That's wild. Yeah. What's the, what's the most recent product? Was it the journal? We did candles. The candles. So we picked a vendor really intentionally that mm -hmm. was not necessarily employing people transitioning out of homelessness, but they were working with people that had severe barriers to employment work, elsewhere, yeah. which were mostly rooted in, uh, like mental handicaps or things that would keep them from being eligible for other jobs. So we, it felt very mission driven, but a bit outside of our specific population. So we're not going to commit to making our own candles until we know that they're going to be successful. But if that product works over the course of uh, two seasons, we would activate the conversation around, okay, now how do we do this ourselves or how do we get this vendor another vendor on board for employing people through our nonprofit partner chrysalis yeah. yeah oh you guys were great you guys work with chrysalis yeah they're a great organization they're can you talk wonderful. a little bit about what they do yeah yeah we love chrysalis they are a workforce development agency for low-income and homeless individuals so they've been doing this for 30 years they've really gotten it down to uh this well-oiled machine that it's a drop-in center near Skid Row, people that are, are ready to get back into uh, employment. They can either work for Chrysalis Enterprises, which is street cleaning teams that work in LA, or they have employment partners like Giving Keys, um, Tenor Greens. There's other companies that they partner with too, to provide jobs in other businesses. Yeah. This is funny. This is the second podcast we've talked about Chrysalis on because we interviewed director of marketing for Tender Greens. Yeah. Who we also talked about this. The, we also talked about this. They're a great organization. Yeah. That's awesome. Chrysalis is, I wish Chrysalis could be in every city where there's a major homelessness issue mm -hmm. because jobs are such a huge part of the solution to homelessness. Definitely housing first. You have to get people housed for them to have enough stability to work. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the job piece is so huge. Like how do you even, you can't 
how, where do you start? Yeah. If you don't know, right. Yeah. yeah. Or you're not given the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, those are interesting. Those are like big pieces to deal with as a brand. Do you guys feel like you're, how often are you testing? Like how, how is it? Do you feel like you're like, we need to do something new every month right now because we need to find this thing right now? Or are you comfortable being like, hey, season at a time, we'll see how it goes. We're going to put it online first and, and go from there. Season at a time. Yeah. yeah. Is it, do you go into wholesale partners right away or you do it online only first? It depends on the product and the vendor and how we're able to do pricing. Like when we're working with a domestic vendor, it's a little bit, little bit more challenging for us to get uh, get it available for wholesale. Yeah. But it kind of, yeah, it just depends. Just depends. Mm -hmm. What do you, what's the, um, are there any that you can talk about that are coming up? Have we announced any uh, new categories that aren't out? Yeah. Uh, she's candle, do the journal candles, journals, candles already are out. So those are available if you want to if you, buy them. If you'd like to purchase <laughs> on the giving yeah. Um, and journals are the next category. And then we actually surveyed our customers to see what they'd be most interested. Great idea. In, I'm a huge survey. Fan yes. We for, love of, the of surveys. Yeah. And the thing that came back was apparel. So we, okay. we've already run it before, um, but we want to bring it back just based on the customer feedback. Cool. So that's the next thing. We'll be doing that next year. Nice. And that's a good thing to do in LA. Yeah. Because you have a lot of those people here already. And the yeah. other thing we did was blankets. Oh, sick. Which was cool because it, it was actually a collab with another brand, but we did one-for-one -one blankets. So, which we're not a one-for-one -one company, but for this product, it really worked well that you buy a blanket and then we donated one to... Uh, Union Rescue Mission. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's do the plug. I have one more question, but it's a fun question. So I want to do the plugs first. Where can people find Giving Keys online? Then where can they find you online? Yes. Yeah. So thegivingkeys.com. Okay. And you can find us on Instagram at thegivingkeys. And then for me, I'm at Britt Gilmore with one T. Britt with one T. Yes. Gilmore. On Instagram. All right. So here's the last question to get to know you on. You have a reservation for dinner for four people. You're taking one spot. Who are the other three people you're inviting? Anyone alive. Can they? They have to be alive. The, it gets too much. <laughs> Otherwise, you're like, Jesus, Gandhi, Santa. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. My first choice would have been a dead guy, but we'll Who's skip him. Who's the dead guy? Now I want to know. This guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh, you would take Bonhoeffer? Yes. Okay. I think tell he's so fascinating. Yeah, tell people about Bonhoeffer if they don't know who he he's is. He's this German theologian that was a pacifist that then converted into being one of the guys that had an assassination attempt on Hitler. I think that that transition of I'm a pacifist for faith-based reasons to I'm so going to kill this, this guy, guy <laughs> is so interesting. Um, but I would say... Um, I would love to meet Patrice Cullors. She's the Black Lives Matter oh, woman. Okay. Um, I just watched The Defiant Ones, which really makes me want to meet Dr. Dre in person. Over Jimmy, you want to meet Dre? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. He's just like so, he's such an enigma, he's such an interesting person. And then I would have to say the last person who I think is just the funniest and most endearing is Jimmy Fallon. That's an interesting mix then. Yes. I like that dinner. Yeah. Where are you going? We are going to the Heartwood in Tulum. Okay. Have Is you that... been there before? No. Okay. So 
the whole Tulum thing, I'm everyone else has done it, and I'm just vicariously living. You gotta through them. go before it gets too expensive and too blown up. Is that the restaurant that's brought over from like Antwerp or whatever that's down there? There's some like I don't know. I don't know. There was a re- there was a restaurant on Chef's Table that they shut down for a year. They moved to Tulum. They moved like every employee to Tulum for a year, and they're doing like huh. okay, it's not that cool. What's the Heartwood? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look into that. The okay. Heartwood is just the best food. The octopus there is amazing. Okay. And Tulum is just like heavenly. It's all vibed out. You're like outside all the time, candlelight, and everyone's just chilled. I love it. It's great. I love that you're from Detroit suburbs. Yes. Moved to LA. Yeah. And your vacation destinations are all like these tropical getaways. I'm just <laughs> yes. like, you're like, I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm going to Tulum. I need to get the hell out of the city. I just want to be by the water. That's my feeling. But maybe too. not in the water so much. I'm definitely really? like a Midwest landlocked. Like we you're, we were in lakes, but never oceans. Yeah. And waves kind of freak me out a little bit. But I married a lifeguard, like an true. ocean lifeguard. That's true. <laughs> you I'm the opposite of track, right? Yeah. So it worked out. Yeah. Well, Britt, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. It was amazing. It was really informative too. I, I that always makes me the happiest with podcasts. So thank you so much. Yeah, uh, we'll obviously me. be talking about giving keys on the shapeshift and from Matt Black. So thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks, Micah. All right. All right. And make sure to check out the latest issue of the Shapeshift Report. We're at shapeshiftreport.co and you can also find us on social media at Shapeshift Report. Thanks, guys. Bye.